using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. They're our best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Change Agents Dilemma for Thursday, August 21st, 2014. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence organizational change at Enclaria. Before we get started, I'd like to share a couple pieces of news. The first is that I've relaunched the Irresistible Change Guide last week with even more tips, exercises, and templates to help you design and influence change. Over the years, working with individuals and teams to help them implement change, I've developed a number of tools that... They simply work. (laughs) And rather than hoard them for myself, I decided I'd put them in a do-it-yourself workbook and make the templates available as well. And the Irresistible Change Guide workbook is now available on Amazon.com. And the toolkit, which is the workbook plus PDF and PowerPoint templates plus a number of other extras, is available at Enclaria.com. The second piece of news is related, that next month on September 17th, I'm starting up another round of the Design and and Influence Irresistible Change webinar series. That's a five-part series that will be once every two weeks. And the topics are Define Your Change, Uncover and Reduce Resistance, Gain Leadership Support, Design and Communicate Change, and Elevate Your Influence. And when you sign up for all five for for the whole series, you also get the Irresistible Change Guide Toolkit, the workbook plus all the templates. So I encourage you, if you're interested, to please visit enclaria.com slash events so you can sign up. Uh, The the Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority, and my goal with this show is to share ideas and stories to help you do just that. And today my guest is Danny Peterson, who is here to share his story of leading change both with and without authority. Danny has taken one of the more unusual paths to being an internal change agent that I've heard. For 11 years, he was CEO of Child and Family Services of the UP, a nonprofit organization in, you guessed it, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. When he retired from that position in 2008, he was not content to ride off into the sunset. Instead, he joined a Fortune 500 company as training manager, focusing on organizational development, leadership, and continuous improvement. And now he's the founder of Same Page Management Services, helping managers and supervisors be better managers and supervisors. Danny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Heather. It's a pleasure. So I found your story really interesting, and I thought it would be interesting to share it with the rest of the audience, because I don't often hear people sort of going backwards. <laughs> so it seems like you went backwards in terms of your the authority that you had in your career. So I'm curious, what made you want to go from being in charge to more leading change from the middle of an organization? Well, I, I, I guess I, I don't quite see it that way. I, I view it as... Um, <laughs> change as being available, and the opportunities are different, certainly. But I honestly wanted to test the theory that are things happening in my organization simply because I say so, or is it something else? 
And, of course, it turns out to be a lot of other things and a lot of other opportunities. Yes, the approach is different. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. I mean, I was retiring at the age of 52 years old, and I knew I wasn't done working because there were lots of other things I, I still wanted to do. So I chose leadership really as, as a focus for training. And <clears throat> when I went to work for... Cliffs Natural Resources, which is a, as you say, a Fortune 500 company, it gave me the opportunity to explore a lot of things, to test a lot of theories, and find out where does the influence for change really um, come from. And as you point out in your uh, recent published guide, I mean, it comes from a lot of uh, different things. And let me just make one point about that in terms of the guide. I wish when I became CEO and long before that I had something as practical and as helpful as the book you just published um, or um, reissued. Um, it, it's a tremendous asset. And Years ago, my brother, I was talking with my brother, and uh, I said, oh, I'm debating buying this book. It's $25, and 25 bucks back then was quite a bit. And he said, is there a likelihood that you'll find ideas in that book that are worth $25 to you? And I said, <laughs> absolutely. He said, then buy the book. And thank you, Tom, and thank you, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a, a few of the projects that you implemented as CEO versus being a trainer, just to set up some context for what you've done in your career. Well, because of the nature of the organizations, the uh, the projects were really very different, but the process wasn't as different. So I, I always concentrate on process first. I am a big believer in building relationships and understanding people and and what motivates them and all those fine things that we have to be able to depend on if we are to move forward as an organization or as a team. So I, I have always concentrated on, on those kinds of um, factors. I mean, you know from uh, books like uh, The Tipping Point and those sorts of things that you have to sort of bring this along. It's a process. And I think too many times we think that change is, a, is an event. And as a CEO, it's very tempting to treat it that way. I'll just issue a memo or I'll, I'll just make an announcement at our board meeting and we'll change that. Well, we know that if that worked, we wouldn't have to bother with all the rest of the things, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, you right. can't dictate change. You, you can say as of January 1, 2015, all employees will, whatever, but there's still a process for people uh, to support that. And I think regardless of whether you're CEO or you're a training manager of a larger organization, um, the the tools that you're going to use are going to be the same. The projects, obviously, are going to be different. But the process that, that helps to lead people, make them more comfortable to change, um, deals with resistance in, in real straightforward ways are pretty much the same. So how would you characterize the differences between the roles of being a CEO versus being a training manager? How did you get stuff done as a CEO versus being someone with less authority in the organization? Well, I, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And one of the things is, as 
CEO, the, the way I've looked at this is you have a lot more opportunities. You have a lot more avenues to get the word out in terms of expressing what you think and where, where you think we could go and how we might get there. So there's more avenues available. But in terms of influence, that's tested in more in the middle of the organization because as CEO, people are going to get in line on some things based on your position. And, you know, they say, well, it's, it's lonely at the top and all those kinds of things. Well, to some extent it is because in the middle, the advantage you have is when you express an idea, people who have issues with that idea will challenge you on them. Oftentimes as a CEO, you're not going to be challenged as often um, or as vigorously, you know, because they, they see you as, well, he's the boss and he has influence over my paycheck and other things. <laughs> Well, some people yeah, might consider so, that an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that is the biggest difference. Are you getting the honest feedback that you need to do the best work that you can do with your team? Yeah. So it also sounds like you're saying when you talk about there's more avenues, maybe that there because more people are, tend to listen. When you have more authority. Oh yeah. Is that how you'd say it? Yes. You know, but it still comes down to uh, a basic notion that influence is really dependent upon your your credibility, regardless of position, because you can uh, be a change agent. I believe at just about any level in that organization. Let me uh, let me tell you a real brief story about a, a change agent, about somebody who I always uh, loved and respected. And, it was my mom. I mean, she was the she was the example for me on a lot of things. And one of them, and we we preach this, we don't always practice it, is to actually really listen. And she really listened. And it didn't matter if you're a family member, a stranger, somebody she happened to be working with. She listened like nobody I've ever seen. Now, she was a as they referred to her position, a secretary. She was a secretary in an elementary school. And when she retired, they had a gymnasium full of people who were honoring the retirees. The usual assortment, uh, an assistant superintendent, um, the administrative people, and certainly teachers, and a janitor. Well, they all got kind applause when they were introduced. When my mom was introduced, she got a standing ovation. Now, that didn't have anything to do with the authority she had on the organizational chart. That had to do with the connections she had made, the fact that she had listened and cared about the people she worked with. And uh, it was great to see, and it validated those kinds of beliefs that I had from watching her over all those years and how she treated people. That's where influence comes from in good part for me. Great. Sounds like a great role model. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, well, in organizations when people have more authority, it seems like they tend to be able to, I don't want to (laughs) say, I'm going to say it, but I don't want to say like getting away with more things, but but there are certain things that leaders who have authority can do maybe better or more effectively or, like you said, they have more avenues to, to pursue it. 
than other people. And so I'm curious to hear what what advantages there are to being in that leadership position in your experience versus being in the the more in the middle type of a position. Well, as a CEO, you can bring ideas to the table. You can you can call people together and and get a response. I mean, all those kinds of things and those things can all be done even in the middle of an organization. And I don't want people to ever think, well, I'm just in the middle of this thing or I'm not even near the middle yet um, and yeah. I can't have influence. I can't affect right. change. I can't be part of this. Oh, that's that's not true. Uh, that's where you build it so that uh, someday when you are CEO, you're, you're going to have a much uh, wider array of skills that you can use. So as CEO, there are certainly some advantages. But as I say, the disadvantage is are people responding to you based on your position or are they responding to you based on the power of your idea? Sure. So people tend to respond to your emails when you're CEO maybe a little quicker than <laughs> <laughs> when you're not. Okay. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. <laughs> So when you found your so well you placed yourself in this position where you were a training manager so you're leading change from the middle how did you go about things differently than when you were CEO Well when you, when you suddenly found yourself in a place where people weren't maybe responding to your emails as quickly and you know what was your reaction <laughs> how did what did you well, do to I'm always someone who believes in in the power of, of great working relationships. And I think we have an obligation, regardless of what position we hold within an organization, to be a good example for other people. And if we're to have influence, we have to have that fundamental credibility. And I also was never hesitant about speaking my opinion, and I always tried to do that very respectfully. And let's face it, within organizations, we get a reputation among our colleagues. Either we're somebody who cares about what we're doing or we're into it for ourselves. Or I mean, there are motivations that, right or wrong, people will attribute to us. And um, hopefully you get those right ones. And I always have tried to, to listen to people, to... Um, be thoughtful of their ideas and and always as i say respectful and as you as you gain those kinds of relationships with people they're much more prone to listen to what you have to say too so that's where your influence and that's where your change agent functions are going to thrive great advice so what did you learn from being a ceo that helped you in your role as a training manager well, I, I I think that it it really um, it basically validated the whole idea that people are the way to change things. Um, I took over the organization as CEO when it was stumbling financially, and I think within uh, about three years, we were five and a half times the um, size of the organization. And it wasn't because I had great technical knowledge of everyone's role. I didn't. Um, but I do understand and love to work with people. 
and I put a lot of faith in them, and they very seldom disappointed me because I think most people respond really well to that. And as training manager, I I had, for one thing, I had um, 26 internal consultants that I helped in train, and they're brilliant people, brilliant technical people. What they needed more help on was the personal side of it, that relationship building, because we we start thinking that if I have the technical skills, then I'm, I'm golden here, but not necessarily, um, because they come into sites where they don't know people, they don't have relationships, they do what I call an idea dump, and then they <laughs> they get on a plane and go home. Well, in most cases, those ideas aren't going to catch fire that way. So uh, we talked a lot about and worked on building relationships with people so that they would not just listen to you, but you would listen to them and learn you know, and pick up on their ideas and where you can incorporate those ideas and build ownership. So... There, there's a lot of similarities between these things, and, and um, there's a lot of differences, of course, but the basic tools, like you cover in, in your guide, are, are fundamentally the same. Great. Well, what did you wish that you knew when you were CEO that you learned when, when you were leading change as a training manager? <laughs> Well, that's, that's interesting because I, I, since that discussion with my brother many, many years ago about the $25 book, I, I love to uh, to read and to learn, and to this day I, I, I'm a big believer in that. And I wished that I would have had more practical uh, tools to use uh, at that time. The things I read were much more theoretical, and theory is helpful. There's no question about that. Theory about behavior and all those kinds of things and, and influence. But the practical tools are, are really um, key, I think. We are, in any as a change agent, regardless of position, we are, I refer to it as a translator. We are constantly translating. You know, you talk about the levers of power and so forth, and um, constantly clarifying, constantly including uh, people in the work that we and their ideas where you can. Um, those kinds of things I wish I w- would have known uh, as CEO coming in because I was thinking, well, I'll, I'll just set up the things that I, the way that I need them to be. And, I, and to some extent I did, but I did it with uh, the power of other people, and I think that's the ticket right there. So I'd like to go back to this idea of how you get stuff done as CEO versus someone who has less authority, and maybe we can talk through some more specifics about some of the things that leaders and also change agents do and how they do them differently or how you did them differently from your perspective. So I'm curious about things like uh, decision-making. Like how did – when you were CEO, you were able to make decisions a certain way and versus when you're a change agent, there's another way to get decisions made. So I was curious, how did, yeah, I think, how did that I, look I think, different? Well, I think some of the tools are, are in fact, different. But I, 
uh, one of the things that I looked at real seriously is accountability and holding not only ourselves accountable because great uh, workers, great employees, great leaders have have good uh, good understanding about holding themselves accountable, and they're. There's a lot of self-reflection that goes on. How am I do, doing this? How? What am I thinking? Is what I'm telling myself about this situation actually true? Do I know it to be true? How do I know it to be true? All those kinds of things we kind of turn over in our mind. And what I found in uh, in the middle of of an organization was was that uh, we had to. Find a way to hold others accountable for their functions mm-hmm. too. And where I see the weakness is where it goes laterally within an organization. So I'm a mid-level manager, and the toughest part for me, at least this is my observation, is holding other mid-level managers accountable for their work and their contribution and their deadlines and all those kinds of things. It's harder for us. Um, in the middle, you can say, well, they don't know what's going on on the top. They don't know what's going on here. Uh, and we can tell our employees what they need to do. But where it goes lateral, it gets much more interesting. I'll so give you an example. Can... Yeah, go ahead. Please do. Well, uh, just one quick one. There, there was a, a gentleman I'm working with now, and he was doing work orders, doing work orders for another department. And I said, why are you doing those? And he said, well, i like to know how they're done. And I said, but they should be doing those themselves, right? He said, yeah, but I, I like to be sure it's done right. And I said, you realize you're doing other people's work. And that's okay as long as you're not going to complain about it. But if it runs short for time on the things that you are responsible for, it's going to hurt you. So my suggestion is, you know, you sit down with that mid-level manager and, and talk about that situation and talk about what you need to see in those work orders to make it work for you. You know, Those kinds of discussions need to occur as, as change goes forward because, as you point out in your book, there's so many possibilities for snags there. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's one example that I've seen recently here, and I think we have to be able to get over that, that fear, if you will, um, and one other note, Heather, on fear. A lot of times, yeah. fear is generated, or anger is generated by fear. Uh, doesn't come out that way. It's expressed a totally different way. But if we're going to move forward, we need to be able to deal with with that fear and the anger that we see. Okay, so accountability is a big piece of something that's different <laughs> when you're leading as a CEO versus in the middle. So how about uh, something like communication or being a role model? Would would you say that those are – well, we've already talked about communication a little bit, but how is that different, communicating and being a role model in the middle versus being a CEO? Well, I think being a role model as a CEO is absolutely imperative. You absolutely have to represent those things that you say that others – the manner in which you expect them to behave or perform, they have to see it in you. If there's all eyes are on you, um, be it board members or employees, they're they're watching you all the time. You have to. 
Now, in the middle, you don't have all those eyes, but you do have the eyes of your team in particular, and it better be consistent as well. So I, I think uh, that's a real important quality. And communication, you've got to complete the loop. You, you have to. I don't, I don't I think it's just as important as CEO. You might not be responding to everything yourself, but you better make sure it gets done. And if, and if you're not listening to other ideas, pretty soon you won't get any. It's flat out. I mean, you need to reinforce those kinds of things. You need to emphasize ownership uh, of people's ideas and their participation. All those things make a huge difference. But, yeah, it's, it, it, you're much more visible at the top. So those examples, and there is no more powerful tool for teaching than, than the power of example. You have to be there. Great. Great advice. So you mentioned that uh, you have the Irresistible Change Guide and you went through the, the Design and Influence Irresistible Change webinar series last year. I'm curious, what are some of the tools that you've used that have helped you implement change from the middle? Well, I think I mentioned well, one of the things that I really like is the levers of influence. You've also incorporated their 99 ideas there. Connected with those, and I, I love that. But my favorites would be um, clarity, trust, um, inviting um, participation. I think those would probably be the three that I would um, consider to be the most critical, as far as I'm concerned. The clarity being the translation aspect of it. The trust we haven't spoken about, but trust is fundamental, and trust is built. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Um, order that to be the case. As a CEO, you can't say, well, you need to trust me. Well, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> you You're right, do I do, and but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here's another thing. You know, when, when we understand that someone has our back, um, and they really do, we can take criticism from people who care about us much more, uh, much easier than than we can from someone we just don't have that trust and, and belief in the, in the uh, credibility. If you think about it, those folks that have had great influence over your, in your life have not always um, been kind sometimes in their criticism, but you can uh, endure a lot if you know that they, they care about you. And that's one of the things I always tried to express. But... Uh, your book covers the waterfront, as far as I'm concerned, and in such a practical step-by-step. I'm not kidding, and I've told you this uh, before. And I'm not I paying mean, him to say I, this either. <laughs> well, well you know, I, that's how I came to be uh, part of the webinar uh, series that you did and did so well. And and I love practical responses to what people view as, well, it's so messy, it's so complicated. No, it it isn't. We can do this. Yeah. And it is a process, and you laid it out perfectly. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for saying so. I appreciate it. Well, you know I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So what do you want people to leave this with? How would you tie a bow on our conversation as far as advice or encouragement or words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good question. I, I think that we have to be very honest with ourselves to begin with because we expect others to be honest with us about where we are, where we stand, what they think about our ideas and what we think about theirs. 
we have to start there. We start with us because there's too much uh, finger pointing and excuse making, I think. We can plow forward regardless of where you are in an organization. We can make a difference. And people, as far as a ribbon on this thing, I, I would say the confidence will come from understanding what you can do. Um, don't don't come in every day thinking there's nothing I can do about any of this. That's not true. So find resources that will help you. Find people you can trust. Work with them. Um, package your ideas in a way that people will listen to them in a fairly short period of time and gain that credibility and, and make use of it and make things better for not only you but for all the people you work with. Great. Well, Danny, thanks so much for being here and sharing your story and your experience. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. And how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to hear more about your story or learn about your same page management services? Well, the same page uh, started three weeks ago, so I, right. I uh, <laughs> don't have my website or uh, even my uh, LinkedIn page uh, set up for that. But if people would care to contact me, I, I'll provide them with my mobile phone. Um, I love talking with people about this. It's 906-362-5592, or they can shoot me a text. Or they can email me at Danny Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, 3933 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear Great, well, again, thanks so much for being here. Oh. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. So coming up next month on Wednesday, September 24th, Michael Taylor of Shelling Point shares the concept of alignment optimization, a way to measure, maximize, and maintain high alignment throughout your organization. Thanks so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including the Irresistible Change Guide, the webinar series, plus individual coaching, team workshops, and other training events, please visit enclaria.com. Until next time, take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.